Hello, and welcome back to the Teen Inc. Podcast. This episode's theme is one that has been going hand-in-hand with teenagers and truly any human being, regardless of age, for as long back as humans have existed, peer pressure. It's often depicted as a factor in succumbing to drugs, alcohol, bullying others, or even crime, like shoplifting. And while it's easy to recognize from an outsider's perspective, it might be harder to see when you're the one in that situation. As a teenager, you may feel a bright light shining upon you when you express a different opinion from the group, or you may just feel that it's easier to be accepted when you go along with the opinions and actions of the people around you. Your social group is a powerful thing that everybody wants to be a part of. We all want to feel accepted and valued and like we have true friends. These are the people who are supposed to have your back no matter what, so it can feel harrowing to, uh, to potentially let them down. On top of that, we are all so easily influenced these days, me included. Every time I go on my phone, I see people my age wearing cool clothes, listening to cool music, watching cool TV, and of course having cool opinions about them all. But what are my real opinions on these things? Do I even have the ability to make my own opinions about the things that matter, separate from what I was taught in school, what I hear in the media, and what my friends and peers all think about these issues? The pressure to conform doesn't necessarily go away as soon as you leave your teen years and hit 20. It takes years, lifetimes even, to figure out who you are and where your morals and truths lie in relation to you. But keeping yourself in focus and following your gut is the key to navigating any sticky situation. Whether that situation is about hitting a vape pen for the first time or wearing low-rise jeans, only you know what's best for yourself in the grand scheme of things. And recognizing the power of the word no is something that comes to us as we become mature humans. No is a complete sentence, and any true friend would respect that answer. This week's articles and poems highlight the power behind staying true to yourself, even when it means standing apart from the crowd. This first article is called Hollisters, and it is written by Alice Liu. But she is a student. Can't you tell? She looks 13. But the woman at the cash register remained adamant. I'm sorry, ma'am she said, but in order to take advantage of the discount, you need to show me your child's Chinese student ID. Ordinarily, that wouldn't be a problem, but having switched to an American school a month ago, I no longer have a Chinese student ID. I was at Hollister's with my mom. In my hands, I held a pair of tie-dye sweatshorts that looked similar to what I've seen Kendall Jenner wearing in an Instagram picture. I remember seeing at least half of the girls in my high school going to class wearing facsimiles of her shorts the day after Kendall posted that picture. The pair I had picked, originally 170 kwai, would be 136 with the discount. Mom, it's just 40 kwai, that's what I wanted to say, but I couldn't. My family always stuck together in public. Since entering high school at 13, I became acutely aware of the standards for popularity. Varsity hockey, 2,000 followers on Instagram, skirts from Love Shack, a large group of friends. As absurd as these standards sound in retrospect, they remained unspoken rules among my friends. Every girl wanted to be Kendall Jenner. This is ridiculous. No other store has this requirement. I'm sorry, ma'am. I don't have a say over our brand's policies. You would need to speak with our manager. If 30 is the beginning of finding yourself, 13 is the onset of copying everyone else. 
As a newly minted teenager, I felt that any deviation from the norm made me the center of everyone's attention. That mindset bred constant anxiety. I feared that embracing my own individuality would cause me to be excluded. At this moment, I felt like my mother and I were subjects of the entire store's scrutiny. My mother, angered by the inability to acquire a 10% discount, was steadily raising her voice in the face of a smiling cashier who was sitting quietly behind her desk and consistently nodding. I understand, ma'am. This indeed is very frustrating. You don't understand. This is simply ridiculous. This is outrageous. My initial excitement at becoming one step closer to Kendall Jenner has vaporized, giving way to a deep-seated embarrassment. Why don't I go and ask the manager about this? The cashier leaves. I'm torn between benefiting the standards of popularity and standing by my mom. I'm texting your aunt to send me your cousin's student ID. My mom pulls out her phone. They didn't say it needed to be yours. Every pore of my body is itching for escape. I've been stalking Kendall Jenner on Instagram lately. A picture of her with Bella Hadid is indelibly written into my memory. In the picture, their hands are holding glasses of champagne, their faces full of bliss. It's a beautiful, celebratory image of human existence, as saturated with joy as anything seen through the orderly square of an Instagram post could be. It makes me feel bad about myself in two ways. I feel bad about my outfit and my academic lifestyle. I wish I were on a private jet with my friends. That looks so idyllic. I also realize that I'm a very petty person, lusting after her outfit and lifestyle while trying to comfort myself with words of self-righteousness and the cliché admonishments to be you. But ultimately, the end result that comes from my stalking is always the same, a poignant desire to be her. I'd like to think of myself as one who is immune from teen social conventions, but here I am buying tie-dye shorts despite my dislike of tie-dye while trying to convince myself that I'm merely switching up my style. I'm definitely not submitting to the trend. The cashier returns with the news that the manager is at lunch. My mother tells her all is good and shows her the picture of my cousin's student ID. We ended up buying the shorts with a 10% discount. Having left the cashier, my mom tells me to hold her bag as she bends down to tie her shoelace. The bag was bought at a thrift store when I was four. The cracked vinyl reveals a thin layer of foam underneath. I remember feeling embarrassed when my mom brought the bag with her on my freshman year move-in day. I saw the other mothers at my school wearing Tiffany & Co. or Chanel, and I thought I saw them casting disapproving glances at my mother. But now the discrepancy between her spending on herself and on me becomes apparent. My mom wears old bags and shirts because she spends all the money, quite literally, on me. Ironically, I feel embarrassed that my mother is doing everything she can to ensure that I live up to the superficial standards that my peers set. Guilt washes over me so suddenly that the strength of it keeps me pinned in place. I felt ashamed of my mom when I was 13, and ashamed of my shame ever since then. This next fiction piece was written by Jaron Roberts, and it's called Glitter. Warmth in deep darkness, light at the edge of the world, granting salvation. All too familiar with such a phrase they became. The knights, the immortal protectors, crossed the horizon and never returned? Surely they cannot die, so what could possibly have them held up for so long? We must search for it. Surely we shall never want to leave as well. And so they left one after the other, until there were four. Such pitiful optimism is something the smallest one was accustomed to evade. Four gathered that morning. The warmth of the water graced their skin. 
The rainbows they could see but never reach lie just beyond the residue of the morning's rain. Battalions of jellyfish autonomously bobbed outside their homes in a synchronized dance. It is time for me to go, said the anchovy. This light I've heard so much about must be my higher calling. I'm certain that this final voyage will only lead to great new things. The others froze in their tracks, looking back and forth to each other. Their bodies were more still than the rocks that surrounded them. They floated for a few seconds, unmoving, waiting for a punchline that never came. You're not serious, are you? asked the tuna. You do realize that this is a perilous decision, do you not? chimed the cod. You've no proof of that, retorted the anchovy. I'm sure all the other fish are prancing about in some sort of paradise right now. Is it really a good idea to stay here all alone while everyone else is positively thriving? They argued back and forth, a relentless cycle of logical argument and adamant response. All of the cod's analytics and the tuna's pleading was outright ignored. The smallest one just waited there. He said nothing. He knew there was no point arguing with one who could not be reasoned with. Of course, none of you believe me, muttered the anchovy, their dark eyes overflowing with despair. But it doesn't matter. I don't need your approval to leave this place. You all can have fun dying alone while I live the life I truly deserve. They chanted to him one last time, nearly crying out his name. But he did not listen. He swam away, lower and lower, past the horizon. Lower and lower and... Three gathered that morning. The light of the full moon shone on their glistening scales. The sunset's palette suffocated the vast ocean with an aroma like fresh peaches before disappearing moments ago. The leaves drifting past the shore left subtle, brisk ripples on the surface of the water, ripples that died as abruptly as they arrived. It is time for me to go, said the cod. Everyone else has been gone for so long. There must be a reason why they haven't returned. I shall discover why that is. Please don't, mumbled the tuna. There are only three of us left. Countless friends have already gone. I don't think I can bear losing you, too. Unfortunately, I just simply can't believe that. That almost an entire reef's worth of fish all have just vanished like that? It's utterly illogical. Cod, I'm begging you to stay, pleaded the tuna. Don't go, please. Again, the smallest one waited there. He said nothing. He knew there was no point arguing with the one who already believed their logic was flawless. Not to worry. I swear on my life I shall return for you all. It's getting late. I must depart. And so he swam away, away from the reach of the tuna's bellow, lower and lower past the horizon. Lower and lower and... Two gathered that morning. The chill of the water paralyzed their bodies. The murkiness of the ocean was their negligible defense against the feathered monsters who slept soundly just above their homes. The sea was noiseless and undisturbed, so much so that they thought they could hear their friends calling to them from beyond life itself. It is time for me to go, said the tuna. I don't think I can take it anymore. I have to find out what happened to our friends. Once again, the smallest one waited there. I don't care anymore, the tuna replied, trembling, their fragile body palpitating. I just want to see them once more. He said nothing. He knew there was no point arguing with one whose emotions completely blinded their reality. You stay here. Never leave. When it comes to life or death, the risk almost always outweighs the reward. And right now, that doesn't apply to me. And so the tuna swam away, far, far faster than the others, lower and lower past the horizon, lower and lower, and...
one gathered that morning. He could not feel the water today. He could not feel the life that once emanated from the black-and-white monochrome coral. The moon hid from him underneath a blanket of fog. Even the sky had fled by now. He knew what would happen, but the seeds of doubt planted so long ago had flourished into a mighty oak. So he swam. Lower and lower, past the horizon. Lower and lower, and he saw a light. Little fish, the light said, it's been too long. All those before him had rushed to the light, but he was silent. He just waited there. Little fish, you feel like an outsider, do you not? You're always falling behind, always out of place. No fish knows why you're here, especially not you. Still, he said nothing. The legend's mere existence had epiphanized him. For the first time, there was finally something of which he was uncertain. And that was whether he would live to swim another day. Blood-orange scales, empty, pitch-black eyes. Tell me, how did a freshwater goldfish end up at the deepest depths of the sea? The light had finally enslaved them all. The ones who swam just past the point of no return, the ones who cast out life preservers for their friends only to get dragged down themselves, every single one of them was captured, vanquished by the light. The light of the anglerfish. Little fish, I have a promise to keep. You remember the hearsay. Warmth and deep darkness, light at the edge of the world, granting salvation. Come a tad closer. He swam closer, slowly but steadily. He knew what would happen. He knew there was no point. He knew there was no point running from a death unavoidable. Let me grant you your salvation. None gathered that morning. last article is called Dear Society, A Letter from Every Teenage Girl, and it was written by Patience Weir. Dear Society, Today, society told me I wasn't good enough, and today wasn't the first time they have told me to shed my skin into a prettier, thinner, more beautiful version of myself. They told me I was an object to be sexualized when my teacher told me to cover up so I don't distract the boys as I ashamedly put on a hoodie saying, yes, sir. They told me I belonged in the house as I buried my nose deep in a chemistry textbook. They told me I needed to lose weight as I scrolled aimlessly through Instagram trying to find a body that wasn't stick-thin and starving. They told me to stop being me. Day after day, society tells me I am nothing but a teenage girl without a voice who is just going to grow up, get married, and have kids. Settle. Society wants me to settle. Settle with the discrimination against women that is still a prevalent part of society. Settle with the fact that I can't be smart because I'm a girl. Settle for being less than my best because society wants to suppress my potential. When did this happen to me? When did I start covering my stomach when I walked into a a room full of pretty girls? When did I start skipping meals to fit in? When did I start to notice guys catcalling me in the hallways? When did I start to feel scared walking alone? When did I start to equate my whole value with the number on the scale? When did I start to wear makeup to cover up what wasn't perfect? Why? Is all of this just in my head or some cruel joke on myself? Why do I stay up all night crying? Why do I run on the treadmill for hours to shrink myself? Why has society done this to me and girls all over the world? I'm constantly told I am perfect and beautiful, but the moment my pant size goes up is the moment they look at me and ask, have you gained weight? 
The constant pressure of having to be perfect is starting to take its toll. I can't look in the mirror without pointing out all the things wrong with me. I can't eat a cookie without hating myself later. I can't be myself or feel emotions because someone will say, oh, it's hormones, or it must be that time of month. It's all just exhausting. Adults think that we're being dramatic, but the constant ache for peer approval and validation is never-ending. The constant worry that we will be hated is tiring. I can't be perfect. Society tries to tell me that it's my fault that I feel the way I do, but I'm done. There needs to be a change. Today is the day that I decide to speak out about the way society treats teenage girls because I just can't sit around anymore and see the way that society is romanticizing eating disorders and unhealthy, healthy habits. What we really need to glamorize is self-love, mental health, working out because it feels good not to shrink your body. Girls from a young age are taught everything that they should and shouldn't be. We have kids in elementary school who are on diets. Not only does it start with society, but it starts with parents. We shouldn't be raising girls in a way that makes them think they need to skip meals or wear makeup or always be on the newest diet. I know I was raised in a household where toxic habits were, and that in no way was my parents' intentions, but it ended up being detrimental to me. So as a parent, teaching girls to love themselves is one of the best things a parent can do to equip their girls to make it in the world where they are constantly degraded. Raising girls to be secure in their own bodies and minds is essential to making a change and altering the way that society sees girls. Following the change in households, there also needs to be a change in media. The hate comments and body shaming are a horrible part of social media, but also the toxic diet culture and trending diets. There needs to be more media where girls are supporting girls, where we normalize intuitive eating, normalize mid-sized bodies, and encourage girls to feel secure in their own bodies. As a teenager, I would like to see a world where my future kids won't feel the need to change who they are for society. I would like to see the toxicity of diet culture disappear. I want to be the reason there is change. I want to create change. So with that, today I decided to tell society to respectfully shut up. Leave me and every other teenage girl alone. Let us eat cookies and have sugar in our coffee. Let us wear what we want and not feel threatened. Let us be comfortable in a size five or whatever size, let us be us. Sincerely, every teenage girl ever. Lastly, we have a poem that was published in our August 2022 issue. It's called My Beautiful Individuality, and it was written by Noelle Martin. When I found the way I like to be, they said no and excluded me. They said I should conform. They said I should fit in. Be their way. They said what they liked, I should like. They said what they wore, I should wear. They said what they believed, I should believe. They said, they said, they said. They said so many things that just weren't true. But gradually, I felt them remaking me. These harsh opinions, these angry, raw truths. These people, these words, this world, a noose. It wipes out my beautiful individuality. Until I silence, I shut down. My voice. I shut down my joy, my me, my choice. But I, I have learned the harshest lesson of all. The world does not care if I conform. The world does not care, because it remembers my beautiful individuality. It remembers the person that I used to be. The person it didn't want me to be. The person I always needed to be. The person it took away from me. In her author's comments, Noelle writes that, This piece embodies many of my regrets, 
Too many people, especially teenagers and young adults, let the world define who we are supposed to be instead of accepting who we are. Often, it is too late when we realize that the person we used to be was the one we wanted to be all along. If anyone reads this, please don't let the world silence your beautiful individuality. All right, well, these were really universal stories, I feel like. Um, and I know a lot of you are going to roll your eyes because this is something my mom used to say to me and I'm sure a lot of your parents have said to you, but if all of your friends are running off a cliff, I implore you to um, think about it, follow your gut, and maybe don't follow your friends blindly. Um, or even follow society, follow your peers, follow whoever. Always think for yourself and, and follow your gut. That's the most important thing that you can take away from your teenage years and the best investment you can make into your future as a critically thinking adult. I think what was clever about the second fiction story that I read um, about the fish swimming towards the light. I think what's clever about that is it not only covers that phenomenon of following your friends literally blindly into the unknown, um, but it also hints at the smallest fish perhaps not arguing back with their friends or convincing them to stay safe. Um, there was that moment of like, well, I can't, I can't make them do anything, and it's kind of useless to um, get them to swim back or useless to talk them out of things, but look how that ended up for them. And more often than not, you know, friends are there to guide you. Friends are there to help you thrive and become the best version of yourselves that you guys can be. And, um, you know, it's important to not only surround yourself with good people with good heads on their shoulders, but also be that for others if they're in a time of need. I did also want to applaud all of these authors for their ability to step back and recognize all of the external forces that are preying on their minds, their decision receptors or whatever, whatever parts of their brains that are causing them to feel like they're not worth it or that everybody else has got it so much better than they do. And that's really not the case. I mean, everybody's dealing with their own issues. Um, just because you're Kendall Jenner, for example, and you've got all the money in the world and you've got supermodel best friends, it doesn't mean that your life is necessarily perfect. Um, and even if her life is perfect, Realistically, it's not your life, so it's it's better to just focus on your own life and what you can do to be happy and make the most out of what you have been given. I mean, truly, there's no reason you should be comparing yourself with others if you don't have the same past, present, and future. You know what I'm saying? Like, just focus on yourself and... Um, Everything will turn out just great, I promise. Thank you again for listening to another episode of the Teening Podcast. I hope this episode has emboldened you to trust your gut and stand up from the crowd every now and then. 
At the same time, it is perfectly normal to step out of your comfort zone and take risks and make mistakes and question yourself. Just make sure you're in it for the right reasons and not just to impress someone else. With that, I, just like in every episode, I want to hear your opinions on the topics, whether you feel the same way, whether you feel differently from me or from any of the authors here. So if you have something to say about peer pressure and individuality and staying true to yourself, I encourage you to submit your writing to teenink.com um, at teenink.com submit. Or if you have anything else that you want to ask me or any of the other editors, you can send in your questions and comments to podcast at teenink.com. Lastly, if you like the Teen Inc. podcast, you can rate it on Apple Podcasts or share it with your friends. Why not? Let's, um, we can create a little community. I'm not really sure what we would be called. Maybe we'll think about that or maybe one of you can send that in to me. The Tippers? Like Teen Inc. podcast, T-I-P? Um, well, we'll think about it. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for joining us this week, and I will speak to you next week. Goodbye! Goodbye!